Hallelujah. I missed y'all last week. Ken missed y'all last week. But I'm thankful for Brother Brian, who did an awesome job. Yes, sirree. Oh, I forgot my other Bible. Well, beloved, you are a strong church. You are a strong, strong church. The church of the living God. You know, the church is the strength of this earth. When we realize who we are and we walk in that. The church is the strength of this earth. Strength to the world. When you walk in what you were designed to walk in. So, the Lord told me, <coughs> because you are a strong church, that we are moving into a study of Training ourselves up in righteousness. Training ourselves up in righteousness. He said that's a job that we have ahead of us. And it's going to be lots of fun. Lots and lots of fun. Because training in righteousness has the promise of life. So, I'm going to briefly, as briefly as I personally know how to do, briefly go over that you are right with God. If you are a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are right with God. He loves everybody. God loves everybody. But you walk in a different relationship when you've received his son as your Lord and Savior. So we're going to go through Righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The moment you are born again, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. That is your position. That's what you inherit at that point. And then after that, you walk into the maturity of what that is. Okay? So, Jesus fulfilled all the law and the prophets. He did the complete will of God. He did everything that needed to be done that you could not do in your own strength, and that is attributed to you when you make him your Lord and Savior. Okay? Jesus satisfied the heart of God. He went to the cross. Okay, well, let's back up a little bit. At the Jordan, he was baptized by John. You know, John argued with John the Baptist. You know, John argued with him and said that he should be baptizing him and he shouldn't be baptizing Jesus, right? And Christ said that John the Baptist needed to baptize Jesus to fulfill all righteousness, okay? So, 
He was baptized. He walks the walk, fulfills the heart of the Father. He's crucified. He ascends to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, and you become a co-heir with Jesus, an heir of God when you receive Christ. Okay? So he did everything that needed to be done, and now you get to receive that righteousness as a free gift of grace by your faith in the Son. Right with God. Union with your Father. The veil is torn. You get to approach him without fear, without condemnation, knowing that you are right with God. So, what a miraculous thing. What a great work. So, you are now seen, if you're born again, is there anyone in here who's not born again that would like to be born again right now? Okay. So that means everybody in here gets to receive this, can understand this. So, you are seen by the Father through the blood of Jesus, through the blood of his Son. You have right standing with God, and he says of you, just like he says of Jesus, okay, and don't think that you're going to wait. You'll probably hear this when you get to heaven too, but you know what? You can, you can decree this over yourself right now. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You see? I am pleased with you. You, just because you're my son, just because you're my daughter, I am pleased with you. This is my son or daughter in whom I am well pleased. Okay? Got that? The Father is pleased with you simply because you have believed. So, John 6, 29, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then we are empowered to do the miraculous works of God. I need some amens on that one because you guys got to think a little bit bigger. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> you got to think bigger. We got to think like God. You become a gate of heaven here on earth. You are walking in an open heaven here on earth. You are walking in a new kingdom here on earth. You are walking in the kingdom of his dear son. Hallelujah. When you know who you are, righteous before your father, righteous in his eyes, in right standing with him. I'm going to repeat this so many times today. So that when you walk out of here, you will never, ever, ever, ever question again that you are right with God as a beloved son or daughter. So don't get mad at me today if it sounds redundant, but see, we have to get this in our spirit so that it comes out in reality. See, we get this in our spirit. You know, so many people want to chase after the manifestation. Is it good to desire gifts? Yes, it's good to desire gifts, but where do our eyes always need to be focused? On Christ. And when they are, the manifestation cannot help but come. Okay? That's why the Lord is saying to me to train ourselves up in righteousness. Now, that doesn't mean you're a bunch of bad people. 
See, we are after purity. Okay? We are after walking circumspectly with our Father because he has so much that he wants to do in this earth, and you are his vehicles. Okay? So when we understand who we are in him, when we understand that we are right with God, then the devil can't constantly condemn us. Right? Okay. And he can't sap your strength that way. So, when you understand this, you understand how much the Father loves you, you receive boldness in that love. You receive boldness because he loves you. And then you love him so much back, the more you understand how much he loves you, you love him so much back that all the things of the earth just fall away. You don't even want to take part in those things. So it's not a work to get rid of those things. See? It's just a Holy Spirit path. Okay? So, you have then, because of this new confidence that you receive, you have boldness to go before the throne of God. Okay? You have boldness to ask whatever you wish and know that it shall be granted in his name, in his word. Right? Yes, that's what we're after. God has given me a vision of the saints in this church. Your fire is not going to be put out. Your fire is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Now this wasn't my topic today, so hold on, it might go long. But do you realize when you were saved, that isn't just like, okay, oh boy, I get to go to heaven. Now that's awesome. How glorious. How wonderful. Isn't that a song? How glorious. How wonderful. But anyway, there's so much more wrapped up in that. Sozo. Salvation, completeness, all of it. You're saved from sickness. You're saved from lack. You're saved from sorrow. You're saved from separation. You're saved from depression. You're saved from fear. You see, we think of it, the church has been sold sort of like this very limited package. You are saved to go to heaven and reign in eternity and and worship your Father. But you are saved from sickness, disease, poverty, lack, all those things. Okay? Healing belongs to you. Healing belongs to you. Okay. Well, that was just a side. But anyway, let's get back to righteousness. So, we become bold knowing who we are as a son or daughter, co-heir with Christ, heir of God. We now have peace with God. Peace with God. 
Union with the Father. Do, we, do you all remember what, what that's called, union with the Father? Glory. Remember? Remember all those studies we did on glory? Okay. So, knowing we are loved, we love him back, and our hearts, your very hearts, are transformed with new desire. New desire to do his will and his will alone. Our life's pursuit is to please the Father. That's our life's pursuit, is to please the Father. You will never go wrong. (laughs) You can't fail. When it is your heart to please the Father, you cannot fail. Hallelujah. But it's it's not by works. It's not by you doing good works. See, good works are an extension of your heart for God. They're an extension of your faith in the Lord. But it is by the Holy Spirit. You see, it is by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. Say that. The very same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Wow, how can y'all say that sitting down? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's Romans 8, 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, which it is if you're born again, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Go ahead and just receive all of that right now. New life, new power, new peace dwelling in you. You go, oh, devil, that doesn't even matter. I don't even care. I don't hear you. I don't hear you. You see? So, what happens when we understand this? We walk out fearlessly to do the greater work. Jesus told us that. He said, we will do greater works than he because the Holy Spirit has come to us. You know, just think of that. Okay, now, I'm, I'm not big on, you know, telling you to think logically because it's not really logic. It's, well, in, maybe in a man-made, in a, in a human term, it might be called logic, but in reality, it's just the thinking of God. It's just the progression of God. Why would God stop where Jesus, when Jesus was raised? He wouldn't. He would just keep getting bigger and bigger and pouring it more out and pouring it more out and doing greater and doing greater and doing greater. He's not going to do less. He's not going to be stagnant. Okay? Well, you're supposed to be Jesus here. Okay? So greater works are you going to do through the Holy Spirit than Jesus. Because the heavens are open to you. You walk in a new realm. You walk in a new kingdom. You walk in the realm of heaven. You are in this world, but you are not of it. So when the things of this world come to tempt you, taunt you, 
You see? You just go, back off. I'm not even in your kingdom. I'm not, I don't even live there. You have no entrance. You can't open my door. You can't even knock. My Lord tells me he hems me in. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, we walk in the realm of heaven. We pour out these heavenly treasures, knowing who we are, because we are confident in the Lord and in our right standing with him. See, this is why it's so important. You have to know that you're in right standing with God. Because otherwise, what you sit, what, not you, nobody here at this church, but with people who don't know, people who don't know that they're right with God, they're always in fear. They're always in the, with a lack of peace. It's always like, I just can't. I can't see it. I can't envision it. I can't do it. I'm scared. See, that's not us. That's not us. We don't allow that type of torment in our lives because we know we've already been covered in the blood. We've already been purchased with a price, okay? And it is so important that we understand that price, and that price has given you great worth to your Father. We are here to glorify him and him alone, okay? So you are Christ to the world. You, be, you are the enforcers. He already defeated Satan. But you, by the Holy Spirit, are enforcers of Satan's defeat. And you don't see it any other way. You are enforcers of the defeat of Satan that Jesus already accomplished. You are light on a hill. You are the kingdom of God come to earth. Okay? So, as the righteousness of God in Christ, we have a commission. We have a commission. We have a command to grow in that righteousness. Okay? It's like this. Let me explain it like this. Okay. When a mom or dad has kids, well, when those kids are, are born, they're your kids, right? They're your son or your daughter. Okay? Well, do you want them to just stay there like that? Do they, in their spirits, okay, and, and I believe this, that's why we always drug our kids to every spirit-filled function. Notice I didn't say church function. <laughs> spirit-filled, because his, his spirit, God's spirit testifies with our spirit that we are his children. Okay, so your children know the Spirit of God even as infants. Don't think I'm crazy saying that, it's true. <coughs> okay, but anyway, you don't want them to just stay like that. As they grow, they learn the Word, they learn about, you know, the, the love of God, they learn all these things, and they grow into maturity spiritually, Right? So that's like what we're talking about with righteousness. Your position is, yes, you are a son, daughter, right with God, and now we're going to grow up. 
Okay. We develop the fruit of God in our lives by training ourselves in righteousness. Okay, Timothy tells us to train ourselves in righteousness. Okay, so your destiny is to display God's supernatural here, which really isn't supernatural. I'm not going to go into that whole discussion. Because, you know, how we always say here, it's his natural. Okay. And the power of God then takes residence in the atmosphere around you. Residence. Residence. We reside in the atmosphere of God. Okay. We fulfill God's heart. We bring heaven to earth through the Holy Spirit. We are his vessels. So, we're going to study today how to fulfill this command, this commission, growing in righteousness, because it equips us and it empowers us, you, the beloved, the saints, to go into all the world and preach the gospel and destroy demons and break bondages and heal the sick and bring hope. That's what it empowers you to do. to set the captives free. That's you. You are here to set the captives free. So, our standing with God, our life in Christ, our commission from God, gives us the anointing, gives us the power, gives us the authority, gives us the command to deliver and set the captives free. Okay, 1 Timothy 4, 7. I'm reading out of the Aramaic translation. But, abstain from insipid fables of old women and train yourself in righteousness. Okay? You're going to have to abstain from things and then you're going to have to engage. Okay? Abstain and engage. You're in the army now. You're a good soldier of Christ. Paul mentions some of these old and insipid fables, but there are many, many others, okay? So we're going to read this one particular passage, but you're going to be able to think of other things that are traditions of men and silly fables and foolishness. Things that are counter to the word. Anything counter to the word is insipid. All right, 1 Timothy 4, 1. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, that's us, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. That's not you, because you're going to train yourself in righteousness. Following de deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Right? Don't think there are not things taught by demons. Witchcraft is taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Okay? Consciousness can be seared. 
by habitually entertaining oneself with things that are not of God. So we're not going to do that because you're going to be trained in righteousness and then you're going to go out and you are going to do the works of God and you're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover and you are going to set the captive tree and you are going to speak provision and peace and love and reconciliation and recompense for things taken. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. By the way, don't get haughty when you speak the word. We speak the word in love. If you don't have a peaceful, loving, kind spirit when you go to speak the word, then just keep your mouth shut. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. You consecrate things by the word of God in prayer. If you point these things out, so if you are a vessel of the gospel, the truth, speaking the truth in love to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus nourished on the truth. Do you know the truth of the word nourishes you? Do you understand that? It is nourishment. The word is nourishment to you. It makes you strong. It makes you healthy. Nourished on the truth of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. See? That's why we focus on the word have nothing to do with godless myths, wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. And the only way to do this is to read the manual. This is our manual, right? This is our manual. This is the Bible. It's our manual. But, beloved, you must question everything. Just because it's been done, don't receive it. You must question everything and compare it to this. If you are being stolen from in any area of your life, get the word where it tells you that that's not what God wants to happen in your life and stand on it. Right? Okay. See, because here's the deal. The scripture tells us that man has his own thoughts, right? Man has a way that, that he thinks is good for him, that seems good to him. But whose ways are higher? Whose thoughts are higher? Okay, so when we get rid of these fables, these dead traditions, these things, we have to replace them with, not just another one of our own thoughts. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't do you any good. You replace it with the word of God. We replace it with the word of God. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, 
we demolish arguments and every pretension, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Every thought. Every thought. If you have a thought of failure, take it captive. If you have a thought of lack, take it captive. Because, see, my scripture says the righteous lack no good thing. My scripture tells me that God gives me all good things to enjoy. See? My scripture tells me that he supplies all my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. See, that's what my scripture tells me. Whatever the topic is, you know how to do it, right? All right. See, because as we think, doesn't the scripture says at, say, as we think, so shall we become? So you don't want to be thinking on lack, sickness, all those things. That doesn't mean you put your head in the sand, but it means you replace those thoughts with the scripture, okay? As a person thinks, as a community thinks, as a society thinks, as a nation thinks. You see that? That's why the church is so important. You have to be out there supplanting ungodly thoughts with God thoughts. When things come up in your community that aren't scriptural, you're the ones that stand against that. Whether it's in prayer or whether you go and talk to authorities or whatever. You see? Because when the church truly engages, when we walk in our righteousness, the devil can't stand against that. The problem is we've had a church that chose not to engage. We, we have a church that chose to go the other way and, you know, try to be tolerant and compromising, well, that's just another name for deceived. You know, that doesn't mean you're not loving. But anyway, we don't fall, fall asleep and then we fight the good fight, right? We fight the good fight. Okay. So, the scripture tells us that training in righteousness, righteousness profits in everything. Did you know that the scripture says that? It says that it profits in everything. And it says that it has the promise of life. Who here wants the promise of life? Who here wants to walk in the fullness of life? Who here wants to walk in, in the life of Christ Jesus? Okay. 1 Timothy 4, 8. Again, I am reading from the Aramaic translation. Mo most of what I did today is from the NIV, so it'll be okay up there. But anyway, I thought this one was really good from the Aramaic. For 
exercise of the body profits a little for this time. But righteousness profits in everything. And it has the promise of life for this time. This time and of the future. Well, I want that. I want that all over me. I want that all in me. I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. I'm not going to settle for anything less. I want it all. Guess what? In Christ, we get it all. So, this is a trustworthy saying and is worthy of acceptance. So, go ahead and accept what the scripture is saying. For because of this, we toil. Don't be afraid of that word. Because at the end of the toil is a blessing. Because of this, we toil and we are reproached. See, the world's not going to like you because of this. Because we hope in the living God. We hope in the living God who is the life giver. He is the life giver of all the children of men, especially of believers. See there? You get a special promise. Hallelujah. You will be reproached for thinking like God. The world's not going to agree with you. You are going to be reproached for thinking like God. Well, just think like God all the more. Because if you're going to be reproached a little bit, you might as well just go over the whole thing, and you might as well just go ahead and get the whole blessing. <laughs> right? So just don't think about it. How much was Jesus reproached for you? Think about that. Okay, I would give you a really neat example that I came across this week, but I know you don't want me to take that long. So I'll just keep going. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. All right, so here's a little example. You know, our colleges, even Christian colleges, really haven't got a clue. This comes to individual people. Okay, you can go to a Christian college and run into as much Satan as you would in another college, but hopefully you're a little bit more on track at a Christian college. Hopefully some of the people there think the way God thinks. Right? But just because you're there, it doesn't mean you put down your guard. It doesn't mean you receive the things that are being said. Okay? So I know of a particular student who, uh, you know, and, and, and the professors say, oh, this is all, you know, to expand knowledge. You have, to, you have to know what's going on so that you can make right decisions. Well, you know what? You know what my scripture tells me? Think only on things that are right and true and pure and lovely, praiseworthy and of good report. That's what it tells me. Okay, just because I'm thinking on those things doesn't mean that I don't know that evil exists. That's silly. Okay, you know what else my scripture tells me? It says that the Lord desires that we are innocent 
of evil and knowledgeable about good. Right? So the world, okay, now this is a really good example of how you cannot receive the traditions of men because they will creep in on you. Not you. You're going to be you're going to be smart. Okay? But the world will then say, well, you'll never appreciate good if you don't understand evil. Well, that is not what the scripture says. It says train yourself in righteousness. It says think on these things. It says be innocent about evil and knowledgeable about good. It said to Adam and Eve, do not partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So I'm sorry. I do not need to know evil to understand God's goodness. That is a stinking lie that has permeated our culture for years and years and years, and it's time for people to say no to that. Okay? Because in the name of knowledge and education, we have instructors that are giving the students reading about witchcraft, about sexual promiscuity, and they're saying, well, if you read this, you will understand how to be good. No, you know what that does? It breaks down the spirit. My mind is the mind of Christ. I don't think Christ was thinking on sexual promiscuity and witchcraft. I don't think that's what he contemplated. My scripture tells me that as a man thinks, he becomes. Why do you want to open the door? And let me just tell you one more thing. If you're someone, not you, but if a teacher is someone who is opening that door into an impressionable spirit, woe to him or her. I wouldn't want to stand before God and have that blood on my hands. Because if that door opens, you, as the one promoting it, you don't know where that's going to go. And yes, if we're strong Christians, should we be able to stand against that? Yes. It's your duty. It's your duty to stand against that. But what has happened as a result of people standing against that, students standing against that, is they're given bad grades because they won't succumb to a teacher's thinking. Even though the student points out the scripture and says, I'm sorry, respectfully, I have to disagree with you because this is what the scripture says. And I have trained myself my whole life to be pure before God and I am not intending at this point to become unpure, impure. Because you want me to think on the dark side. Well. <laughs> but do you see how much we have to be on guard? Okay. So we toil in righteousness in the living God 
And the scripture tells us to do that. We need to be diligent in reading the word, knowing the word, praying, and to be diligent in our own purity. 1 Timothy 4, 12. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Hallelujah. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. Okay, so it's important for you to be in church, regardless of what people are telling you these days. So, when we do this, when we do this, this is what we do here, we grow in righteousness, and we become an example to others of the gospel of life, the gospel that gives life. We fulfill 1 Timothy 1.15, which says, it says, the sum of the commandments. Don't you want to fulfill the sum of the commandments? Okay, it tells us to do that when we love from a pure heart, love from a good conscience, and love from true faith. But the sum of the commandments is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from true faith. So growing in righteousness is going to produce all of this in our lives. It's going to produce a pure heart, a heart that desires to only do the will of the Father. It's going to produce a good conscience, a consciousness that can be bold. When we know that we're in right standing with God, we are bold to believe the word. It makes us strong in the word. It makes us strong to demand the fruition of the word in our lives and say, I'm not going to be denied this. It helps us have a consciousness that is clean and clear before God. So you're not sitting there constantly in shame and guilt and condemnation saying that, oh yeah, but that's for somebody else. I'm not good enough. Yes, excuse me, God has made you. He paid a price. He's considered you worthy, okay? You are forgiven by God. You are blood-covered. All you've got to do is just hang with him, okay? And it's, see, because at that point, when I understand that, nothing's going to keep me from going to my father. When trouble comes, I'm not going to run the other way. I'm going to run straight into his arms, Okay? And when I know this, when I, when, I know th when I understand that he's pleased with me because I've received his son, see, I run to him instead of away. So it's just like Paul. Remember Paul who killed Christians? He said, I've wronged no man. Do you see how clean his conscience was because he knew who he was? He received the reality of Christ. He received the revelation of what had been done for him. I've wronged no man. What about Peter? Peter denied Christ three times. Denied Christ. I don't know him. And he went on to be a powerful, powerful 
man of the gospel. He did not let that keep him down. He did not let his past usurp his future and the goodness that God had planned in his future. You see that? I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. And then on the day of Pentecost, he receives the Holy Spirit and he goes on to heal and do miracles. And beloved, I am telling you today, that is you. Did everyone in this room hear me say, that is you? Okay. Just want to make sure. (laughs) Just want to make sure. See, he didn't stay condemned by his past. He didn't let the oppression of the devil keep him there. He said, no way. I am new. I am born again. I am blood-bought. I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I am moving out in God. I will be Christ to the world. We must understand our rightness with God. Our rightness with God through the blood. 1 Timothy 4, 16. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. In the, in the Aramaic it says, pay attention to your soul and to your teachings. Beloved, do not go to any church. Do not go to a church that preaches social comfort. Do not go to a church that doesn't preach the word. Do not go to a church that tells you that you're just fine and there's nothing you have to do. No. Do not go to a church that tells you that you don't need to obey the word. Do not go to a church that tells you that you don't need to repent. This is for your good. Likewise, don't go to a church that doesn't think like God. A church that just believes, you know, we're just going to get to heaven someday. There's so much more. Don't go to a church that doesn't preach the fullness of God in you. Don't go there. You're selling yourself short. This is so very important. Pay attention to your soul and to your teachings. Persevere in them. For when you do these things, you will bring light to your souls and to those who hear you. Hallelujah. Because we pay attention, because we stir up what's been placed in us, the gift even of righteousness that's been given unto us through grace by faith, because we cling to that, we understand it, we seek greater revelation of it. Growing in righteousness produces faith, true faith. True faith. Because as we walk in the love of God, as we walk in the love of God, knowing his love for us, 
and understanding his love for us and that he has made us right with him, it enables us to fight the good fight. Knowing who you are enables you to fight the good fight. Okay? 1 Timothy 6. You know, it, it gives us a, a boldness. Knowing that we are Christ's um, display here. I don't mean display like in a haughty way. You know, I, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, but here's the other key to that. We don't get our eyes on the manifestation. We keep our eyes on Jesus, and then the manifestation occurs because it's his power working through us. Okay? We seek Jesus. We seek Jesus. Okay? And we're transformed, and we're maturing, and all the gunk comes out of the, uh, out, gets out, so there's nothing to block. Okay? And, and, and the manifestation can't help but come. All right? Does that make sense to you guys? Um, okay, where was I? Okay, but, 1 Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into the temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Why am I reading this scripture? Are you wondering? Well, because anything that we set up as an idol that is not seeking righteousness is a trap. It leads to destruction. So these are a couple examples, but we can have many things in our lives that become idols, okay? Greed, pride, uh, you know, you, you can fill in some other things. But anyway, that's why we're reading this scripture. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires because they lead you on paths that aren't directed toward God. They lead you on paths that draw you away from the purity of righteousness, okay? that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root, and the love of anything outside of God. Okay? All right. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Does that mean that the Lord doesn't want you provided for? No, that's not what this scripture is saying. It's where is your love? Where is your love? Okay? Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, O oh man, O oh woman of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness. Do you see the connection? Got the connection there? That's the core. It will keep you from the traps and the foolish deceptions of the traditions of men of the world. All right? Okay, flee from all this and pursue righteousness godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. That's what we are doing. We are fighting the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Go ahead and take hold of it now. <laughs> when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. All right. So, as an extension of our faith, 
and growing in righteousness, we are going to do many good works. By the Holy Spirit, we are going to do many good works. We are going to be rich in good deeds. We are going to be willing to give and to share. Because we know that as it comes through us, it it can't be stopped. So you're going to have so much to share. It'll never stop. So that we will seize upon true life. Okay, 1 Timothy 6, 18. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation. See that? It's a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. This leads to the life that is truly life. It has no darkness and no death in it. All right. So in knowing that we are right with God, the righteousness of God, we must, this is your next, next little step, guard. Guard the treasure that's been given to you. Guard it. Don't let the devil deceive you out of it. Don't let the world deceive you out of it. You see? Guard what has been committed, this precious gift. We must stand knowing who we are. We must know that we are reborn into the identity of Christ. We must know this. We must know that we are walking in an open heaven. God is not keeping things from you. Okay? You, okay, pay attention, you are Jacob's ladder. You are the ladder where the angels ascend and descend, bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Remember that? That's who, that's who you are. The angels descending through you, ascending and descending, bringing the gifts of heaven to earth. See, we're not like him. We're not like Jacob. We're not going to wake up one day and say, oh, God was here all along. Surely God was in this place. Surely he's here. No, no. See, that's not going to happen to me. That's not going to happen to you. You will be aware that you are in right standing with God and that you walk in an open heaven right now and that you are a ladder ascending and descending the angels, bringing the kingdom of God here to earth and that you walk in that new kingdom. Okay? That's our consciousness. Anyway, Christ came to earth to bring heaven to us, right? The fullness of God, the kingdom of God, here, through us, to distribute. So by knowing and by stirring up the righteousness of God in us, in Christ, we train ourselves in the gospel committed to us, and we do not allow the devil, to deceive us into believing that we are less than we are. Okay? 
We're not going to do that here. We guard the truth that has been given to us. And when we do that, the scripture says we escape empty echoes and we escape the perversion of false knowledge. There's a lot of knowledge out there. There's truth and there's false. Okay, and we're going to escape the false. Timothy 6, 20. <coughs> o Timothy, guard that which is committed to you and escape from empty echoes and from the perversions of false knowledge. In the NIV, it says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. You have been entrusted with a care. Okay? Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge. Okay? This means you're going to have to be a critical thinker. You're going to have to be a God thinker. You're going to match it all up against the word. So our knowledge with right standing emboldens us to hold fast to the gospel. Am I putting you all to sleep? It allows us to hold fast to the spirit of truth. It allows us to say, no, I'm not going to be moved. I'm not going to look at what I see or what I hear. I'm going to be moved by what this word, this loving, beautiful Loving God word tells me I am not going to settle for anything less. I will have this. This is who I am. I am not going to accept the traditions of men. I'm going to stay awake. I'm going to stay alert. I will walk in the power. I will walk in the authority. I will walk in the anointing. I will walk in the uh, redemption that God has provided. There's nothing in your life that is not redeemable. There is nothing in your life that God cannot make beautiful again. I am after all the beauty. Because that's what God is. Pure beauty. Oh, my soul's overwhelmed by that thought. He's pure beauty. Think about that. Pure beauty. Beauty that we don't even know about yet. Beauty that we haven't even comprehended yet. But we are on the journey and that's what counts. Okay, so we, see, when we do this, when we stand in this, when we stand in the spirit of truth, and we don't accept anything less, then we are not those, like the Pharisees, who have a form of godliness, preach, 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 but it's all the wrong message. It is. It was. Don't heal on the Sabbath. Who do you think you are? No, who do you think I am? Grab the revelation. See? He called them a pit of vipers. 
making men more, what is it, what did he say? Prisoners of, or agents of the devil than they were, right? Prisoners of wrong thinking. Jesus healed because he had compassion, not because it was the Sabbath or not the Sabbath. Right? They were after control, not the truth of the Lord. Was I on Timothy 3? But mark this. Verse 2. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving. Go back and listen to our forgiveness message. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. That's not going to be you or me. Those who do this have not trained themselves in righteousness. The Aramaic says, who have a form of God worship. That's a Pharisee for you. That's a legalistic, legalistic thinking. It's a form of God worship, but it's void. There's nothing there. It's empty. who have a form of God worship and are far from its power. The word, the true word, is nothing but power. Love, the greatest of all, brings power. Have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desire always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. That is not us. You see, we are going to learn by the spirit of truth, by revelation of the word of God. It will save you from being deceived in the end times. Just as Jonas and Jambras opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. Critical race theory opposes truth. Gender identity opposes truth. Greed opposes truth. Lust opposes truth. Anger opposes truth. The list goes on and on and on. Opposes truth. Mandates. Moses, also, also, these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But, here's the good news. They will not get very far 
because as in the case of those men, their folly, in the Aramaic there says, their madness will be clear to everyone. Do you need something, do you need a word to stand on? Stand on the fact that the madness of deceived men and women will become clear. Second Timothy 3.9 basically says these people will not advance. You don't need to worry when evil men seem to advance in their ways. You put it in God's hands and he takes care of it. Don't be looking around. Don't be looking around saying, yeah, but, you know, he didn't get his. I do everything right. Well, first of all, you're arrogant. I did it all right. They did it all wrong, and they got blessed. Whoa, that's kingdom thinking. <coughs> Quit feeling sorry for yourself. You shouldn't even, your, your mind shouldn't even be in that gutter. Your mind shouldn't even be looking at what someone else is doing. First of all, you don't even know. You don't know any of their pain. You don't know any of their suffering. You also don't know their greed or whatever it is. But you're not their judge. God is their judge. All right? And where should your mind be anyway? Your mind should be, am I pleasing God? Am I pleasing God? Am I pleasing God? Well, no, thinking that was not pleasing to God. But that's okay. He forgives you. All you do is you go back and you retrain your thinking. And then the scripture says in Philippians, you think on things that are good and kind and lovely and praiseworthy and of good report. So when you have those thoughts, you go back to good report. What's a good report? I never heard my granddad say one foul word about any other human being. And you know what he would do if somebody else did it in his presence? He would say, what good do you have to say about that person? Have you walked in their shoes? That's what he would say every time. Have you walked in their shoes? Now, you tell me something good about that person. And he wouldn't let you out of the room until you did. But seriously, I never heard one foul word about another human being ever come out of his lips. That's purity. So, we have to recognize our right standing with God in order to fulfill our mission and to walk in the power that he really has for us, in order to walk in the authority, in order to walk in the dominion. But he has it for everyone. You see that? He has it for everyone. And <coughs> you can choose not to believe this, but if you believe this, it is for life in your life. So we must know that we know that we know that we are right with God simply by believing on his son, Jesus Christ. You are his trusted ambassadors, 2 Timothy 1.11. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until that day. 
lay it on the line, entrust it to your Jesus, and you will not be disappointed. Suffering for Christ is not a shame. It is a glory. What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. I am convinced, the Aramaic says, I am convinced that he is able to keep my trust. Don't you love the way it says that? He is able to keep my trust for me until that day. Because I know in whom I have believed, I know the indestructibility of the gospel, I know him who will keep my trust. 1 Timothy 1.14, we keep these sound words and this good trust by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your enabler. The Holy Spirit is your enforcer. We do not veer from the gospel. We understand and accept our righteousness in Christ, and we wage an excellent warfare when we do that. By the word, because we are bold, and we know our right standing because of our faith in Christ. 1 Timothy 1.9 we also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels and ungodly and sinful and unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God. So anything contrary to that. Now, do we love those people? Did God love you when you did something? Does God love you when you did something, when you do wrong things? Okay. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength that he has considered me trustworthy, appointing me to this service. This is your service. See this? Even though I was once a blasphemer, all of us, and a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Do you see where your heart's supposed to be while you're training yourself in righteousness? Do you see that? The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. You are here to do this. You are here to stand, to guard the truth of the gospel with mercy and the love that is in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Now we acknowledge that, but we don't stay there. Right? But for that very reason, I was shown mercy. 
so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Do you see the package? We stand without wavering in the mercy and love of Christ. Never waver. Wavering is hatred for that person that you find in sin because you plunge them further into the pit. So you stand in the truth with the love and mercy of Christ. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you will fight the battle well. Recall who you are. Recall what God has decreed over your life so that you may fight the battle well. Holding on to the faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. Stand in your good conscience. Know what God calls you. His son or daughter, love with whom he is well pleased so that you don't suffer shipwreck. We are going to know and grow in our righteousness in this church so that you will not suffer shipwreck. We know and understand, we cling to, we walk in the power of the gospel, in right standing with God, our Father, This is the gospel to heal, to deliver, to set free, to destroy yokes, to lift burdens. To bring blessing. In Jesus' name. All right, did you hang in there with me today? (laughs) This is a 